Hello, and welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod, the podcast that wants you to be a better boss to yourself. Like, one that lets you take time off and have a personal life and stuff while still trusting that it's all going to work out for your business. I'm your host, Issa Gauchi, your marketing confidence cheerleader and owner of the M. Issa Messaging Digital Marketing Agency. Today, I'm going to convince you, with a little help from my friend, that irresistible marketing actually does not require you to be constantly posting on every social media channel all day, every day. Rest has to become part of your marketing strategy, or your marketing will not be sustainable. Now, before you tell me, sure, you'll rest as soon as you accomplish X, Y, Z, also A, B, C, D, E, F, G, allow me to remind you that you do not need to earn rest. Rest is a requirement of life. Your body needs you to rest. Your business is not going to suffer when you don't work 18 hours a day, but your body will definitely suffer if you do work 18 hours a day. And so will your mental health. Grinding is not going to take away the fear of uncertainty that you are going to have to deal with as an entrepreneur, but giving yourself the time and space to process your emotions will make it so that you can handle that fear of uncertainty without needing to run away from it, freeze, fight it, try to micromanage your control, or just shut down. When you rest, when you have space to process, it becomes a manageable fear. Your business gets to be successful, not despite you taking the time to rest and take care of yourself, but because you do. It's just not sustainable otherwise. Joining me today to discuss how to build appropriate rest into our approach to marketing and business is the burnout fairy herself, Micah Weingarten. Enjoy. Well, hello, Micah. Thank you so much for joining us. Would you mind introducing yourself to the good people? Hi, I'm Micah Weingarten. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. I'm excited. I'm otherwise known as the Burnout Fairy. I support high-achieving, primarily women and femme types, in coming back from the brink of burnout with the help of nervous system regulation. Yeah. Yeah. And Micah has actually personally helped me with this very issue. And uh, I know that a lot of the folks that come for me for the marketing confidence cheerleading stuff are kind of really stuck in this. I only get success if I work myself into the ground and never rest sort of mentality. So I'm really excited to have the burnout fairy herself on this podcast to help us undo some, some of these unhelpful thought habits of ours. But Mike, I'm curious about what's your backstory? Why did burnout become the thing you wanted to focus on? Yeah, burnout has been a predominant theme in my life. And I didn't realize that it was burnout until very, very late in the game. And I, my desire, uh, get into my story a little bit, but my desire for others is that they don't have to wait as long or to go through it by themselves. I think that was a big thing that I struggled with. So um, when I was a kid, 
my self-worth was very much tied to my academic achievements. If I wasn't bringing home A pluses or A plus pluses, <laughs> uh, then I was denied love and affection. I was denied favors like going out to the movies or clothes shopping. Um, and so I was very much, it was very ingrained that success and achievements were what brought me love and recognition. So then moving into the workforce, like I have a technology background. I was a software, I still am a software engineer. And so, and I think in engineering, in creative spaces, engineering, marketing, artistry, performing arts, fashion, I think we see a lot of, if you don't love an attitude of, if you don't love the work, you don't belong in the room you don't have a space at the table. And so that need for achievement to get recognition for your work, to get the promotions, or even just a pat on the back, there is this culture of burning the candles at birth, both ends. And that's celebrated. That's very celebrated in those industries. Uh, not that it's limited to those industries, just from my personal experience, I, that's what I've seen. And so, you know, I spent my formative years in this toxic do, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. And then my young adult years in the same environment. And so, yeah, and I, I burned out and I had no idea because anytime I would start to feel anything, I would start to fill my extra time with more work. <laughs> And so it took a while before I was able to like slow down and realize what it was I was going through. And if, and when I was trying to look for solutions to why am I not being recognized? Why am I not being taken seriously? Why is my, why are my achievements not being celebrated? Why am I not being promoted? So it would like turn to life hacks and go, okay, how do I fit an extra hour into my day? Okay, how do I produce more output? So then I'm like piling on even more. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a very heavy cycle that I was just moving through and through and through until it broke me. It very literally broke me. Yeah. I bet a lot of the listeners are screaming relatable content. This is <laughs> relatable content right now. I know I definitely relate to this. I'm curious, what are the, you mentioned that you had trouble identifying burnout. No cat. Sorry. My cat has decided to make an appearance <laughs> on the, the podcast. Hello, um, kitty. <laughs> what are some of the symptoms that you now recognize as burnout that you didn't identify as burnout at the time? Yeah. So, um, I did a lot of numbing. I, and I still, this is still kind of a part of my <laughs> recovery process is, uh, I would watch a lot of television. I would play a lot of video games. I would work more actually in order to, to avoid feeling the discomfort that I was experiencing. I was angry all the time. I was angry all the time. I woke up angry. I moved through the world angry. I had very little compassion for anyone else in my sphere. 
And when someone would ask for space or ask for patience, I would have a very short fuse with that. Um, Because if I'm busting my ass and like they can get up and do it too, like I wouldn't, I didn't tolerate other people's excuses very well. Um, Chronic pain. I am a chronic pain sufferer. I think you've covered this topic on the podcast before. I was diagnosed in 2009 with fibromyalgia and it was extremely debilitating. That was another, another major thing, just all over pain, sensory issues would get overwhelmed very easily. Um, Changes. And this is kind of like a squiggly brain symptom also, which makes it a little bit hard to discern between squiggly brain and burnout, although I think they're kind of related in a way, is um, I, I would get overwhelmed if something changed very suddenly because I would have so much control over things like just one little hair or someone needing to change plants. It could have been as simple as that or wanting to invite an extra person to tea. I would freak out. Everything felt like it was crumbling around me. I constantly felt like I was drowning. I constantly felt like I was failing at everything I tried to do. There was a constant state of anxiety and depression. It was very overwhelming. This is super relatable content. And if I could go back to the numbing, which I personally relate to a lot, the like TV, playing games on your phone, maybe it's video games. I feel like this symptom of burnout is often popularly mischaracterized as like procrastination or laziness. Um, What do you see as the difference between like numbing out because you're exhausted and you need to rest and procrastination? Well, I think procrastination is more based in anxiety of a fear of failure, of a fear fear of how you're going to be perceived. Procrastination, I feel, is more of a fear of potential consequences, whether that's factual or not. Uh, yeah, and then there's just being exhausted. Yeah, absolutely, just being exhausted. I don't really think laziness is a thing. I think that's a puritanical belief that's been shoved on us. Yeah. Shoved on us in order to like produce output, like fucking machines, which we are not, we require rest and downtime. And I would argue that machines do too, (laughs) but anyway, getting away from myself. Yeah. I think, I think procrastination has, it's, it's more of a, a fear of potential consequences um, than exhaustion. Gotcha. I was also curious, it seems like burnout has become kind of a hot topic, at least in the online communities in which, or whatever, LinkedIn and the other social media algorithms are feeding me since the pandemic. And I'm I'm curious whether you, what insights you have about our relationship to grind culture and how they have changed or become more, um, under scrutiny since COVID. Yeah. I love this question so much. I have head to toe chills. I love this question so much. So I, I think that, I think there's two aspects to this. One is the pandemic was a global traumatic event and 
I think for a lot of people, we saw like the worst come out in a lot of people because they lost, I think it was like a loss of control. And when people perceive of loss of control, they no longer feel safe. So I think they're those people that didn't feel safe, but added pressure on people like particularly in service industries and um, transport transportation industries. Uh, so I think that was a, a huge thing. So it creates burnout in those industries. And then the other factor with the pandemic is that we all stopped to some degree and there was this manufactured space that most people didn't have before. And when you, including myself, when you have this space, your system can start to slow down and start to react to all of the pressure that it's been experiencing for how many weeks, months, years, decades it's been experiencing before and begin to process it. And so then that becomes very uncomfortable and it feels very unsafe because your nervous system just went completely out of whack and everything is a sensitive topic. So I think that through the pandemic and everyone having to stop and evaluate like what the fuck is going on, why are, why are we so burnt out versus before? I think we just didn't realize it before. And now it's in the global conversation and that conversation is being normalized. So I think it it isn't that it's just, it happened all of a sudden. I think it's always been here and we didn't have the words to express it. Maybe we felt too safe in our systems of control before the pandemic caused everything to upend. Right. So I, I think it's just a matter of like having the space to experience all of those red flags, the body had probably been trying to communicate for a long time before this. And there was just now a quietness to really perceive and make, start to make sense of those signals. Because the other thing is what else the else were we going to do? There was nothing for a lot of us to do when we were on lockdown, except for like be in our heads. You know, we couldn't connect with people. We had zoom and stuff, but there's still a lot of space. There's still a lot of space to just slow down and evaluate. For sure. And I, I just developed a theory that occurred to me just now, um, um, which is like, I, I wonder if before COVID came and like shook up our whole relationship to work, I wonder if since this kind of grind culture has been around for a while, if we couldn't imagine, like a lot of us couldn't picture or imagine alternatives to the way things were with work. And then COVID showed us actually things can shift drastically. And then when we had time to reflect, we're like, do we want to ever go back to the way it was? The answer is fuck no. Yeah. (laughs) So this seems like a good time to kind of talk about grind culture, which is, I think the thing with the great resignation, with burnout being so in the zeitgeist is that people are, are like, I don't think I want to accept grind culture anymore. So maybe I could get your thoughts on, first of all, what is grind culture and what about it is harmful? So grind culture, I think is that, that attitude I was discussing earlier of if you don't, if you're not acting like you love the work, if you're not showing up with enthusiasm, if you're not 
breaking down your boundaries for the good of your employer or the good of your family, like whatever the case, whatever your situation may be. If you aren't saying yes to the people that have authority over you in your, in your work or in your caregiving role, then you are lazy. You are irresponsible. There's all of these like negative projections placed on the person again, coming from puritanical beliefs and industrial era beliefs of like, if you're not putting your all into your work, then you're a defective human being, which is not true. It's completely toxic. I think that was like super magnified with the tech booms because you have these, these cultures that these, the startup culture that again, if you don't love it, then you shouldn't be here. Uh, I think Elon Musk did that with the Twitter takeover, like prepare to work harder and faster than you've ever worked before. Uh, It's just ridiculous. It's not sustainable. We're human beings. We need rest. We need downtime. We need leisure activities. We need connection outside of what we do for money, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think like the more I think about it, the entire ethos of grind culture really depends on a popular acceptance that we have to work to earn our basic human rights, <laughs> what we need to live, which yeah. is really odd. Um, and like it even in you sh- graciously sharing your backstory with us, like you and I relate to this so hard, you have to achieve to be, to consider yourself acceptable to the people around you. You have to, um, work to deserve, like literally our capitalist assistant, you have to work to deserve food, which you need to live. You have to work to, to like have shelter. You have to work. Um, and which makes sense that resting is so hard for so many people. Cause we're like, well, did I do enough to earn it? And I remember when I was um, one of your clients, you were had a really hard time convincing me I didn't need to earn rest. <laughs> yeah. I just, to inter- if you don't mind my interrupting, it takes, it took me a long time to realize I didn't have to earn rest. That's, it shouldn't be normal, but that is typical of those of us who have been like ingrained culture, like our part of this culture, resting is hard. <laughs> resting is hard because it's antithetical to grind culture. Yeah, it is hard. Like giving yourself permission to rest at all. If you grew up with me and Micah with this, your identity and your self-worth and self-esteem and confidence tied to your external achievements. Like it's hard to give yourself permission to rest at all. Um, but then also like, I remember when I first started taking, when you're like, Isa, please take a day off. Like, don't go three weeks without a day off again. And I remember the first time I was like, fine. That day off was very emotionally uncomfortable for me. It was so uncomfortable. Can you talk me through a little bit about like, if you, have spent your life not resting why is actually resting so challenging emotionally for people 
Yeah. So going back to what I had said earlier is I think when we slow down, we start like, I know for me, emotions that I wasn't having coherence with were starting to come up and that made me physically uncomfortable. And so I would use work as a way to sort of numb that, (laughs) numb that pain. And I think, yeah, there is that belief that I am not a good person if I need to stop and rest, right? That's a really hard one to break through when you've been hearing that for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. For sure. I think also for me, like if I was working 24 seven or always busy, I could like put off emotional processing forever. I could just like not feel things because I was working. A hundred percent. Which was which is leads me into my next topic. So um people who listen to this show are entrepreneurs, they have their own businesses. And They're so good. a lot of people think that if you're your own boss, then you just have it made all the time off you want. And I've actually noticed for myself for my colleagues, for my clients, that it's almost the opposite. Like we work harder because there's no one else external to us to give us permission that we did enough. We achieved enough. We get a rest. Tell me like a little bit about what you've noticed for entrepreneurs um, and sort of this startup culture. Like you mentioned, we're more in like the wellness, um, health, beauty, activism artistry spaces than we are in the tech space for our well for your burnout fairy business and for my business um but where do you get concerned when you see like business advice in these sectors um for entrepreneurs i'll be perfectly honest i don't look at conventional business advice for entrepreneurs um because like what I had seen in the past, it was when, so I had a tech business that once upon a time, and it was very, you know, wake up an hour earlier to like achieve more and, and, you know, have a side hustle. Uh, what was, what's the term for, um, you know, have different income streams, different portfolios. And it was just about spreading yourself out to be real thin, uh, spreading yourself out thinly. And it's, it's just not sustainable. This is not sustainable. I think there's an advocacy for a lack of boundaries and in traditional business advice. And that's challenging when you are a human being. (laughs) Boundaries are so important. They're also challenging when you have your own business and your business is what brings in your income and pays your bills and keeps a roof over your head. Like there is that underlying desire to put more time in so that you can earn more money, gain more clients or whatever the case may be. Uh, But in the end, you end up being depleted. You're not serving anybody at, at, at your at your best, you're not at your best. So I think, yeah, I I haven't been watching any recent business advice (laughs) because I know most of it's like bro speak garbage, to be honest. It's not my, not my cup of tea. Those are not my people. I'll just say that. 
Yeah, for sure. I like where I've noticed it in our space is like, even if they're like pretty cool people, the kind of like, this is how much you should be posting or um, Mm. this is how much content you should be putting out is what really like makes me nervous for people like who are because it's it's scary it's emotionally like you're taking a risk you're stepping out into like vast uncertainty by opening your own business and so I think a lot of people feel comforted when someone's like here are some rules here's some structure um but where it gets dicey is when people are telling you to assign an insane workload to yourself or you're um listening to the guidelines over the needs of your body. Do you have any tips or advice for how we can be good bosses to ourselves? So we are not um, the self boss that enforces a burnout culture in our own businesses. (laughs) Some of you may not like this, but put rest into your calendar. Like schedule the downtime before you schedule the work time, block that shit on your calendar, create really strong boundaries and don't break that for anything uh, work related. (laughs) I think that's, um, that was a huge shift that I made when I was starting to do my own burnout recovery journey was I didn't do anything. I didn't serve anyone. I didn't show up for anyone else until I took care of my needs first. Because if I am not well-resourced and well-rested uh, re- and feeling good about myself, like I'm, I can't be of service to anyone else. 100%. And like, how did clients receive that? Did you get in trouble? Do I get in trouble? Well, that's not my problem, but... <laughs> No, I, I've never gotten in trouble for that, but I get a lot of pushback because, you know, oh, well, this client just wants me to do this, this one time. And I, and I think if it feels good and like nurturing to yourself to break that boundary, that's, that's between you and yourself. I, yeah, I don't, it's, you have to remind people it's like, um, not to sound patronizing, but it's like when you're teaching like a child, a new skill or teaching them like not to touch something, you have to repeat yourself. And I I found that with my clients is that, Hey, how are your boundaries? And there's no shame around it. Like boundaries are hard when you come from a background of not having any boundaries or being told that your boundaries aren't valid. So it's, it's a skill like developing boundaries is absolutely a skill that needs to be nurtured. So it's just like inviting them to recheck their boundaries, you know, maybe boundaries that they set aren't really ideal for them and giving them permission to adjust things as, as needed. I love that. So I think like my fear has been like, especially like in my chronic pain journey is like, if I have to be late or cancel something, or that's what my body wants. And like that fear of being told like, okay, well then your work sucks. (laughs) You're not good enough if you're not like going above and beyond to show up. So it's, it's empowering to hear particularly other femme entrepreneurs be like, I am okay with getting pushback and I know how to protect my boundaries because that is like hashtag goals. Could you give us maybe like a script you've used when a client's like wanting you 
to prioritize their needs over your own boundaries? Like, how have you responded to that? That is a fantastic question. Um, you know, I would say that I would love to, I would love to show up for them the way that they desire in that moment, but I need, I need some time off or some rest because I can't adequately serve them. If I am not rested, if I don't take care of my needs, I've had situations where I've had to, to be fair, my, my clients are very similar to me. So I've never had a situation where someone was like, well, that is just unacceptable. Usually it's like, oh, I'm modeling behavior for them that they need to execute themselves. And so it's almost like a relief to see someone demonstrate like what it looks like to say, Hey, like, I think, um, uh, one time I, I had a migraine. I, I think it was actually one of our sessions. Um, and I was like, I would love to show up for you today, but I am really not feeling well and not feeling resourced and I need to reschedule here's some time and dates, like what is best for you? And yeah. And just moving forward. Um, if they push back, they push back, but I, if I cannot show up fully to with my, my full energy, I, I mean, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. That's so helpful. I think also that because grind culture was so ingrained in our cultures, like when I just told you my fear just now, I'm like, what if my client says I'm not allowed to like, is really my internalized capitalism (laughs) or my internalized grind culture? Cause I've actually never had someone be mad when I communicate that like, I'm having a chronic plane flare up. I can't be there or I need to put stuff off. Like the only time they've been pissed is when I haven't communicated and they've just been like, so where's the thing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so like, I had so much internalized shame that like, I had to go on a journey. If you want to listen to that chronic pain episode about being able to like communicate that, but just throw a toot my own horn for a second. I actually, in a sales call this very week told someone, they asked me that question, like, how fast are you on turnarounds? And I felt my body tense up. And I was like, well, actually, I need to let you know, I am a person with chronic illness. So um, it is possible, perhaps even likely that I might have an unexpected delay. So if you need deliverables turned around like that, I'm probably not the right provider for you. Good for you. And you know what? They bought that big package that very same day. Yay. I love this. Yeah. I think people are a lot more reasonable than we give them credit for because I mean, as entrepreneurs, we're coming out of like a system, corporate system where like the boss would wag their finger at us or threaten us with our jobs if we didn't show up when and where they wanted us to. I love this for you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted like, well, first to throw a little party for myself, um, this Zoom call, but also to like give people that example, like that I think we all, as if we're in sales or entrepreneurs, we have that question we're dreading. We're like, I think I know the answer they want, but I can't truthfully give it. And like, um, I think one thing I want to throw out there for, for those of us working on deprogramming our internalized grind culture is you might be putting weight on questions that the potential client is not. <laughs> yeah. 
hundred percent, a hundred percent transference. It's called transference. When we're projecting a fear onto someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, I think also one thing I had to learn is that when someone like checks in with me, um, cause like I have a lot of clients, so I'm not in like constant communication with everybody. If like, we're actively in a project, we're definitely talking, but it's like, if someone asks me like, Hey, can you give me an update? Where is it going? It doesn't mean I'm in trouble. They're just like, literally like we haven't talked in a few days. <laughs> can you just let me know where things are at? Yeah. So I I'm curious, um, would you recommend, I actually journaled this. I was like, what phrases do I hear from clients? in client communications or sales calls that, that like make my body tense up. And then like, what am I making it mean? And what's an alternative to, to that, to that story? Um, That's fantastic. Everyone listening to this should pull over and do that. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing those journal prompts. I love that Isa. Of course. So I know like both of us are interested in, in mindset and the stories we tell ourselves, Um, what are for your clients for burnout fairy, what are some unquestioned stories you tend to see, um, women entrepreneurs or any entrepreneurs that you would kind of need to shine a spotlight on and have them reconsider. There's a lot of stories about why they can't implement boundaries. There's a lot that are related to what they do for other people and how that is needed. There's not a lot of, uh, I think for like women and femme types in particular, we're taught that everybody else comes first. And so I think it comes to a point where like, I know it was true for me. I didn't question that. If somebody needs something from me, I would stop what I was doing for me and switch gears to do for them, which creates resentment and burnout and exhaustion. And so I think that's, that is probably like the biggest sticking point I have with my clients is getting to them to stop and question, like what is happening is that violation of my boundaries. Is that something that need that you need to stop, drop and roll and take care of right then and there. And I get a lot of pushback around that. There's a lot of excuses that come, come up to the forefront in defending that behavior. And again, there's no judgment. Like we've, these are things that are ingrained for a lot of us and it takes work and time and patience and compassion to work through some of that. Yeah. I would say breaking down boundaries for the sake of either loved ones or clients or the people that we work for. I know for me, like the most prominent thing from our work together is I really, you kept telling me like, you've gone 12 days without a day off or 15 or whatever it was. And you're like, you have to take a day off. And I remember my brain was just like, I mean, I know I should, but I can't this time. Like, Mm -hmm. is that a common example? Um, yeah, I, it's interesting because after I worked together, I actually got this really cool planner where um, you can start like coloring in habits. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I should like see 
how often I actually take days off and it would be real bad. It would be real bad, Micah. And I, it would be like 16, 17 days without a day off. And then I'd have a migraine that would take me out for a week. And then I was yeah. like, oh, I wonder if I get less migraines if I took more days off. <laughs> be derailed. So now like I make myself take a day off at least every five days. Um, Cause it was so clear the pattern of like not taking days off and getting a migraine. Um, if you were to like name some examples of actual habits you've had to work with people on, like, you should rethink this for sure. Your health needs you to, your business does. What are, give me some like tangible examples if that's all right. Oh, goodness. Let me think. Um, I can tell, I want to, before I respond, I want to say one thing is that uh, I technically work every single day. I technically work every single day. I take time off. I do take time off and I make sure that I balance like what I'm doing every day with like what my energetic levels are. So if I need to like accomplish a task, but I have low energy, then I do my low energy tasks. And then I call it a day. I give myself a cookie and (laughs) I go relax. So I think like for some of us, it's, you know, especially when you're having to create content or post content on the regular, it's almost like taking a day off gets kind of like squiggly. Um, but it's important that you're making space for rest, like do a thing and then take a break. So I just wanted to mention that. And then what you were asking, like, oh, um, tangible examples of what was it? Yeah. Just curious, like for your clients or even for yourself, what are some like habits, like some tangible examples, like not taking a day off for three weeks that you've had to help people or yourself re-examine, um, why that's a habit and why you might want to change it. Um, that, oh, that's something I encourage, uh, my clients to do a lot is to stop and celebrate, the things that you've accomplished. So I had one, I have one client who was really into nail polish. And so uh, she had set some, some goals up for herself. And she was like, okay, like once I've reached this goal, then I'm going to buy myself this really nice nail polish set. So that was like her reward for her hard work, which was really sweet. Um, Yeah. All of my clients are so different. It's hard to like it's hard to say like for a lot of them, it isn't so much about taking time off as it is making space for themselves. Yeah. Could we, let's dive into the celebration a bit. Cause I've, I have noticed, like, I think this is a byproduct of grind culture is that for like something big, like building a business, like the we're making millions of dollars. We're wildly successful. It's, it, it's, you know, like climbing mountain a bit. Um, I feel like a lot of people think like, I don't get to celebrate until I'm at the top of Mount Everest. And so like little milestones, like I'm a quarter of the way up, I'm halfway up. They just zoom right by without even noticing. Like I, yeah. I, I feel like almost every time I talk to a femme entrepreneur, they'll be like, I just hosted a class with 50 people. So my next goal, and I'll be like, wait, wait, you just hosted a class where 50 people signed up and like, it's, or like, I just got this one grant, but like, I'm applying for these other and be like, you just got a grant. Like what, 
tell me a little bit about what this habit is, why we don't, if we haven't gotten to the top of our Mount Everest, why we are so out of practice for noticing our milestones. Yeah, we're taught that, okay, you've made it to this point. Now there's the next point. We're taught that progress is linear and that we need to keep growing. Like that's a very capitalistic thing. You need to keep growing, growing, growing. You need to keep going up, up, up. And that for one is not true. Growth is not a straight line that toward that trends upwards. And yeah, there's so it's so important to stop and look back at how much you've achieved and just take a moment, a good long savory moment <laughs> to enjoy and appreciate yourself and the hard work that you've done to get to where you are in this moment for that milestone and like really appreciate it. And it's going to make the next one, it's going to make it sweeter. It's going to make the next one so much sweeter. And you're going to have more enthusiasm and love and joy for yourself and the work that you're doing in the world. That's such a good point. And like, now that I think about it, since I worked with you and with our mutual coach, Sarah Beyer mm-hmm. of um, yeah, Sarah. Intuitive Edge Coaching, where for both of you, celebration is a huge part of what you work on with people to acknowledge for themselves. I actually noticed the better I, I got at celebrating um, stuff, the easier it was for me to rest or the easier it was for me to be like, I'm going to reject this piece of advice because it doesn't work for my wiring or my business setup. Um, so yeah, I wonder, do you see those two things as being tied? Like you being able to celebrate the small and big achievements and being able to slowly release grind culture. Yeah. So when you're celebrating your achievements, you're inserting a little hack, right? Because when we are growing up, we're taught that our output is our value, our achievements, like our, our, our achievement-based love, right, is, is what's important. And then so when we sort of introduce those celebrations and make it easier for to rest, you've convinced yourself, I did earn this rest, <laughs> it's sort of wild, like that it kind of works that way. But I, that's one of the things I love about celebration is that, you know, one, you don't have to earn your rest. I just want to say that pretty plainly. You deserve to rest before you start anything. Rest is integral. Rest is not something you earn. But I think that when we have, when we're focusing on celebration, integrating celebration, we're able to say, yeah, I do deserve to put my feet up. I do deserve to just have that time to myself. I have created so much. I have accomplished so much. I don't need to push myself in this moment. You're so right. And like, I've actually been experimenting. Like if I have a client be like, I'm out of ideas. I have writer's block. I don't know what to say. My first question is when was the last time you took time off. And it's usually not recent, or maybe it'll be like, I took a weekend and I'll be like, okay, take at least one more day off. And then Mm -hmm. tell me if you don't have ideas after that. And it's worked like magic. So just shouting it out to people out there. If you have writer's block, if you don't know what to say, if you don't feel creative, 
I think that's a really big clue from your body that you need to rest and that it will come back when you have rested. A hundred percent. Yeah. And sometimes rest takes a long time. That's true. That's really true. Longer than we would like. And I I have a couple of, um, I have a couple of peers that have been really leaning into the winter season of being slow. And we did this, uh, we did the somatic coaching um, certification together. And I had already had my business built and was serving clients and we were talking and I was like, oh yeah, how's everybody else's business going? And most of them were like, I'm resting. Like right now my body is tired. We did a lot in this year in the certification process, like on top of real life and jobs and whatnot. So I'm resting. And so now that we're starting to come into a more, you know, energetic part of the year, they're starting to spit out all of these ideas that they're having for their business and offerings for their clients. And it's so magical to witness because they took you know, the three, four months off that their bodies really desperately craved and needed. And now they're feeling more creative and they're able to like properly serve their communities. It's really magical. It's really magical what comes out of rest. And sometimes it's not a weekend and sometimes it's not a week. Sometimes it's several months. I know when I had my huge uh, burnout breakdown, I mean, like it took months Um, well I had my breakdown and then it was like several years before I had some space. And then once I had space, it took me, you know, several months to kind of like, just enjoy that, not really enjoy, but process through that downtime and have that space. It took, it took a while. Yeah. It's a really important thing to note. It also like connects back to something I wanted to have you expand on that you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier about matching your tasks to your energy level. Um, I've also been experimenting with this and it's such a contrast to like you're chained to your to-do list. Everything has to happen at this pre-scheduled time and fits into a spreadsheet. Was that, what did you have to change or did you have to change anything to be able to, to, um, match your tasks to your energy levels? I think for me, it revolves around what do I have the motivation to do right now and recognizing like when I'm excited to lay one of the things I'm going to do after this call is I'm going to create some content for my group program that I'm releasing pretty soon. It's like, I'm excited about it. I'm fired up right now. So I want to, I I've realized that I can't go, Oh, I'm going to put that off and do it tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to be feeling tomorrow. I might have a migraine tomorrow. My, my body might be an asshole and say, no, you're going to be horizontal today (laughs) and watch reruns of game of Thrones. Um, so like what now, while I have the energy and the motivation, I'm fired up about it. I'm going to be working on that, all the content around that. And then tomorrow, like, depending on like how I'm feeling, I'll move on to something else. And it's just like, if there's, you know, I try to do the bare minimum if I'm not feeling super well. And if I can't do that, then I don't do that. And I don't feel bad about it, but that was, I mean, it was a process to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, it's all about, it wasn't really a change so much, uh, as having awareness about what was active in the moment and not sitting on that 
doing what I felt called to do in the moment. And that has worked for me. Other people may need to plan out a little bit more. Um, but that, that's, that served me really, really well. Yeah. And I think that whole, like, you know, what, what, um, I think that came from Sarah actually was the whole, like putting, she would put coffee cups next to tasks. Like this is going to require three coffee cups or one coffee cups or like 20 coffee cups. And then depending on what she had energy for that day, she would take those like single coffee cup or zero coffee cup tasks get those, get, do what she could. And then that would be her day. If it took her 15 minutes, that was her day. If it took her two hours, that was her day. Like there's no, you know, there's no rule that says you have to work eight to 12 hours a day at all. Yeah. So I think like some of the big things in like experimenting with rather than forcing myself into a, like a very linear to-do list mm-hmm. and going with flow. Like two of the things I had to work to accept was one, when my energy is low, trusting some point, it won't be low. <laughs> it'll be higher again. Yeah. Um, so like the trust and that faith that it'll come back. If I respect that I'm in a low energy point was a big thing I had to work on mm-hmm. um, trusting. And then the other thing was, it was surprisingly like really hard for me to be like, it doesn't have to be perfectly eight hours. It doesn't have to perfectly be nine to five, especially since like I'm naturally wired as a, as a night person. And I feel like my first six months, I was like a serious business owner has to be a morning person, but like that just doesn't work with how I'm wired. Um, but I remember that conversation. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was. I don't know why, but it it was really hard for me to accept that I didn't have to follow these external rules. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. Um, I've got to let you go soon, so I'm wondering if we could leave the people with some recommendation. So if 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 you're listening to this and you're like. I feel like maybe I have burnout or maybe I'm missing some signs. What would you like the listeners to start noticing about their bodies, their energy levels, other things that might be giving them clues that they need more rest or to shift things around so they're not constantly skirting burnout? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Start listening to your body. What's what's your body telling you? Have you been listening to your body? Like, what is, what does stress feel like? How do you react? How do you interact with people? Are you feeling a lack of compassion for the people around you? Are you irritable more often than not? When was the last time you did something for yourself? I think just pausing and having awareness and, and reaching out for help. It's hard to do in a vacuum. And I think that, you know, in grand culture, we're told there's like this huge pressure to be individualistic and do everything on our own. Um, but it's okay to get help. It's okay to ask for support. And there's a lot of free resources 
out there, um, I would highly recommend like doing some research on breath work. And if sitting still and doing meditation, isn't your thing, like move around, (laughs) you know, like, uh, find, like get familiar with like what feels good to you and what your body is saying that it needs and get used to giving your body what it needs. It's going to feel really weird at first. Um, and of course, like if you need help or advice, like my DMS are always open. Like I'm happy, like you don't have to pay for one of my programs to work with me. Like I give away like a lot of my content for free. I'm always happy to, um, hold space when I can. So yeah, there's, um, yeah, hopefully that's helpful. Super helpful. I, feel like I might make this mandatory listening for my cheerleader clients. Um, anyway, Micah, uh, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom. Where can the good people find you if they would like a burnout fairy of their very own? Yeah. So I'm super active on Instagram at Micah Weingarten. That's M-I-C-A-W-I-N-E-G-A-R-D-E-N. I'm sure you'll have it in the show notes. And michaelweingarden.com. I am trying to like, I I have a TikTok the, at the Burnout Fairy. I'm not on TikTok. TikTok. Oh my gosh. Do I sound like an old lady? I'm not on TikTok very often because I get sucked in for hours. So I have to be really careful with that. I'm not super good about posting there, but I'm trying to expand. Um, Yeah. But Instagram, like you'll always find me on Instagram. I'm super active in the DMs. You can email me at hi, hey at michaelweingarden.com. Yeah. Excellent. And yes, I will have links to all of those in the show notes. So you can um, go after you, this podcast closes, you can go um, sign up with Micah. All right, Micah, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Lisa. This is so much fun. Appreciate being invited. Well, that's all for today, folks. I hope that you're feeling empowered to take the rest that you need, want, and deserve and are confident that resting won't hurt your marketing or your business. Go ahead and check out the show notes for how to work with and follow Micah and me. And if you enjoyed today's episode and would like to keep them coming, please leave me a five-star review. Your feedback is so appreciated. All right, now that's enough work for today. Enjoy some downtime.